0: Welcome back to Page of the Wind, the interstitial podcast where we talk about talking about the name of the wind by Patrick Rothfuss. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. And Nick uh, is absent today, slaying dragons or Trollocs or your preferred fantasy foe of choice. Very good. We're going to uh, we're going to try and make a dent in our 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 mail pile which is so voluminous that even the mighty appetite of a sentient and ever-hungry mailbag cannot deal with it all.
1: All right, let's do it up. You, you read.
0: <laughs> I will. Uh, and our first letter is from the mysterious Jade Blade. Oh, that is such a cool epithet. It sure is. Dear Pagers, Pagerinos, Trio, Jordanic, etc. I was listening to page 319, and in the letters section, you talked more about the shipwreck there are a few things I wanted to say about the shipwreck. First off, it was not an assassination attempt by Ambrose. Let me explain. Firstly, we may assume that Ambrose was behind Quoth being brought before the Iron Law. That is a fairly safe assumption to me, given his history with Quoth and his M.O. in regards to dealing with his problems. After the trial, Quoth spends time bumming around the university for a bit in the winter before the spring term. Then, he has a couple of conversations with Manet, Willem, and Simon, where they try to persuade him to take a term off his studies. In one conversation, in chapter 49, they even say that Ambrose is sensible enough to avoid admissions this turn, and that he left for home two days ago. Then, spring starts to arrive. When Quoth encounters Count Thrape in the Aeolian, and Thrape tells him about the opportunity with the mayor in Severin, Ambrose has been on the journey home for some time, perhaps a span or two depending on his mode of travel, how fast he's going, and how far he has to travel. He may even have arrived home by this time. At this point, Quoth has not made any plans to leave the university's environs, but now he has an offer that is seemingly too good to refuse. He and Thrape make hasty plans for Quoth to leave the next day, which he does. Now, if Arbos is truly a good distance away from the university, and there is no such thing as instantaneous communication in Tamarant, then there is no way for him to have known that Quoth was leaving the university at all let alone when he was leaving, or how he was traveling, or where he was going. So, when we see the pinch-faced man, he is indeed a red herring, because there is no evidence that he was hired to kill Kvothe aboard a ship. It's true that Ambrose may have hired this man to kill Kvothe should he be acquitted at his trial, and that the only opportunity that came along was during the voyage, but that seems like a bit of a stretch. There are easier ways to kill someone if you know what you're doing. If you know how to think like a hired killer, then death by shipwreck is an extremely foolish way to go about it, with a high probability that the assassin would not survive to get paid. For any assassination to be considered successful, two things must occur. First, the targets must die, second, the assassin must get away with the murder, so that they can get paid and continue to ply their trade. If the pinch-faced man was an assassin sent by Ambrose, sinking the ship would have perhaps accomplished the first goal, but has a high likelihood of failing on the second goal. Also, the vessel that the pinch Pinch faced man gets onto with Quoth is a river boat, not an ocean going ship. The riverboat goes down downriver from Imre to Tarbin, a port city, and then Quoth boards an ocean ship for the voyage to Severin, where the ship meets with some misfortune and is sunk. In brief, there was a storm, piracy, treachery, and shipwreck, although not in that order. Chapter 52. Sincerely, the Jade Blade. Well, that is all incredibly well reasoned, and I am inclined to believe you. What do you think, Jordana?
1: i I too am inclined to to believe them, but I'm just thinking about like sure Ambrose is gone, but Ambrose is also theoretically at court, so he would he would know that oh uh, maybe not. I was thinking that he would know if Quoth was headed to court, but at the same time, not even the mayor knows that quote is headed that way so there's no way that he would know via the
0: court so and Ambrose isn't at court, because if he was, Cloth would meet him at some point in Severin, right? Ambrose must be, like, at the Jackus...
1: I more or less just meant that he knows people who are in court and would be probably speaking with them at some point. Like, he's
0: running in those circles. Yeah, it says he left for home two days ago, which tells me that he left to, like, the Jackis barony, the Jackus estates out in the countryside somewhere.
1: I still imagine that, like, a member of the Jackus family probably hangs out with enough people outside of the barony or maybe like does transit between the barony and whatever else they're doing like i just he they're running in the same circles chances are they would speak to one another like they probably have contact with someone at court
0: yeah that's like he might get news from court but also something that the jade blade points out that i think that we are kind of not always thinking about when we think about who knows what, when in this book is the pace at which information travels in a society where the fastest way to communicate with people is by sending a messenger on horseback with a letter. Mm -hmm. It it takes weeks for anyone to know anything if they're not like in the same city, right? Like even when Quoth is trying to like send messages to Denna, he has to rely on like a runner who goes from the university to the town of Imra, which is like a couple hours walk away people miss each other all the time. So I think that it's possible that Ambrose is still spying on Quoth. Like the pinch faced man might be Ambrose's spy and he might follow Quoth as far as Tarbine and report back to Ambrose. Oh, Quoth got on a ship to Severin or, or whatever. But even if he did, that information would take weeks to get to where Ambrose is and then weeks for Ambrose to, you know, act on it, probably. So uh, thank you very much for this letter. Jordana, do you have anything else you want to say on it?
1: No, I essentially agree with it. I was just trying to poke holes in it for Nick's sake.
0: Well, we must we must always have the Nick's advocate. <laughs> but I, I think that for this one, we, we can safely assume that that it was just a coincidence, that it was just a shipwreck. You know, maybe this pinch-faced guy, you know, had some kind of adventure involving him as an antagonist. But there's no real reason to think that that's connected to Ambrose. And this goes back to something that I brought up in previous letters, which is that the fact that there are incidents in Quoth's life that are not connected to the grander narrative of the Chandrian and the Emir serves to make the world feel more real and lived in because not everything is about Quoth and not everything has to tie back into this grand narrative. Like, Quoth is just a person going about his day and, you know, Maybe someone did sabotage the ship for reasons that are totally unrelated to clothes. We may never know. But it the fact that there are things that happen in his life that don't have anything to do with the life or death struggle that he's engaged in is one of the things I like about these books.
1: Mm-hmm. That's reasonable. I, I, I can't disagree. <laughs> or at least not with any logic.
0: All right. So our next letter is from our friend A.S. Dear Pagers. Get ready for a blast from the past. I am currently binging your Name of the Wind episodes while waiting out your wise man's fear hiatus as patiently as two stones together. In episode 291 of Name of the Wind, or Page of the Wind, rather, Quoth defended himself against Hem's malfeasance charges. You concluded that Kvothe told a big lie when he said that he didn't have any materials other than Hem's hair and the wax with which to demonstrate all three laws of sympathy. Quoth admitted to the reader that some parts of his defense were lies, but not this particular sentence. This discussion was revisited in episode 316, when listener Allen suggested that the bits of metal that quoth had in the drawer weren't necessarily made of the same metal. However, you concluded that quoth was lying, and this, re- this really got my quoth uh, goat. I think that with pieces of different metals, one could demonstrate the laws of converse- conservation and correspondence but not the law of consanguinity. The law of consanguinity, as stated by Quoth, is a piece of a thing can represent the whole. Thus, unless there are two pieces of metal that once were the same, I don't think they would do the job. I actually couldn't think of any other demonstration with the materials Quoth had that would demonstrate the three laws at once as elegantly as the one that he did. The closest I came was breaking the chalk into two pieces and heating up one of them to heat the other or something. In summary, Quoth did nothing wrong. Verisimilitudinously yours, A.S. You know what? I am truly grateful for all these listeners poking holes in our crack-potted theories. I have been formulating my own uh, theory of literary criticism uh, in my mind lately, which is that we must treat the author as an infallible god and to question uh, the divine wisdom that they 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 see fit to give us in the form of their books uh, is in fact heresy, and these, <laughs> these uh, letters from our noble listeners are only reinforcing that belief in me.
1: So you're going to quit the podcast?
0: <laughs> no, because my assertion with this podcast—I never got into this podcast to try to like poke holes or or understand what what we're being told. I simply wish to bask in their radiance and sing their praises. Uh, and I look forward to many more uh, days, weeks, months, and years of doing so. I think that this was an instance where we got up our own butts a little bit in terms of like trying to poke holes in what is actually a straightforward enough scene of Quoth admitting to us like he's doing something clever and then he's admitting to us that actually he was being a little bit of a shithead when he did it. And that's enough. There's not an extra layer to peel back here where we actually go that, ah, Quoth is really being bad because he could have done this thing in a different way that wouldn't have been so nasty. No, he couldn't have. And also being nasty is good.
1: (laughs) All right. Very reasonable.
0: Do you have anything you want to say on the subject of this letter?
1: I mean, I feel like you covered it. I certainly I would just be repeating some of what you already said, minus the part about your reasons for being on the podcast
0: that's right well you know we 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 all come to this place with different uh you know different logics but we we we're all here in a spirit of camaraderie
1: yeah it's funny that you mentioned like why like your reasons for for doing the podcast and i don't think i ever really critically considered why i i wanted to do this <laughs> i just simply decided that i wanted to do it
0: well That just goes to show you, listener, that you can do anything you want at any time for any reason.
1: And without reason.
0: (laughs) That's right. No reason at all is still a reason. Very good. And I have no reason at all, except that it is there, like Mount Everest itself, to read this letter. So this letter is a doozy, and it's from uh, our listener, Rachel. Rachel writes, Hi, guys. Hope you're all doing well and are feeling refreshed after your break. It was definitely well-deserved. Thanks for all that you do with this podcast. to make my morning commute a lot more interesting. In today's email, I'd like to talk about a theory that you have 100% convinced me on, the identity of Master Ash. I'd always thought that the most likely candidate for Master Ash was Cinder, the guy with the synonymous name and a history of evil deeds. However, your analysis of Brayden has brought me round. I always like to research a theory before committing, so together with my trusty electronic copies of the books, I've collated the evidence below. What do we know about Master Ash? He met Denna at the Aeolian. I find it hard to imagine supernatural Cinder in there with his weird ass goat eyes unless he was wearing sunglasses. He's an older gentleman, Denna's description when she first meets him. He's wealthy, when Cloth says he better be rich enough to be worthy to be worth your trouble, Denna's eyes danced saying, "Yes." He's a powerful man, according to Denna. He's in Severin at the time Denna and Cloth are. He's a surprisingly good dancer. He has implied that he has dealings with the mayor. And the Cathaya says Master Ash beat Denna with his walking stick. Although I can't find anything that says the Cathaya is obliged to be truthful. Uh, sidebar: My understanding, and I, you know, I can't swear to this because it's been a while since I've read that passage of the book. But my understanding is that the co- the Cathaya is always truthful, and that's how it hurts people because it like it twists the truth to do harmful things, but it doesn't actually like lie to you.
1: That was also what I gathered from the Cathaya, but I don't think it, it is confirmed.
0: Well, it might be when we get there. So that's what we know about Master Ash. What do we know about Brayden? He's an older man and a gentleman. Quoths first description of him. He's wealthy. Also Quoth's description. He is or was a powerful man. Brayden says, I was even something of a power in court politics. He is in Severin when Quoth and Denna are. He lives in or around the mayor's court. He has been learning how to dance. He has a walking stick, set it by the window, he directed, pointed with his walking stick. His clothes and colors are described as ash gray and dark charcoal. What do we know about timing? Denna disappears at the end of chapter 68 for two span. At the beginning of chapter 69, nice, Quoth says that Brayden had left town several days earlier. Denna's patron is back in town again. In chapter 70, implying that he's been away, although in the interest of a balanced read, Brayden still isn't back at court in chapter 74. In conclusion, both characters are described as older, wealthy gentlemen who are at least partially based in Severin, who have dealings with the mayor, who dance, who have walking sticks, and who aren't around in chapter 69. I will allow your listeners to draw their own conclusions, but I'm 100% sold. Thanks again, and sorry for the lengthy letters. My next will be much shorter. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. Uh, what a informative letter! I definitely, I'm a, I'm like a visual person, not an, uh, an auditory person. So it actually is really helpful for me to see all the evidence laid out in that fashion. I think it is a pretty compelling case. My only caveat is that uh, why not both? Maybe you know, I think that Master Ash and Braden could be the same person. And they could also both be a disguise that Cinder wears. You know, he could be using like an illusion or a glamour glamour? to make himself look like that guy.
1: Sure. Possible. Possible. I'm like, the jury is still out for me. I don't know that it's Brayden. I don't know that it's Cinder. I don't know if they're the same person. I am comfortable in my lack of knowledge about this particular theory. I think there's lots of evidence that it's Brayden. I think if it's Brayden, that's cool. I think it would cinder. That's cool. Either way, I don't mind. Kind of thing.
0: But you're not married to it.
1: I'm definitely not married to it. This is like a serious sitting on the fence kind of time for me.
0: Well, listeners, uh, you know you can you can imagine that you can you can imagine Tridana sitting patient as two stones herself. You know, lotus position on the fence, <laughs> serene, calm in her lane, thriving. <laughs> And we'll all be thriving when we crack open uh, the musty mailbox tomorrow on another page. Of the WIN! WIN!